Hello, and welcome back for episode eight of Take It or Leave It. I'm Meg Toth, and I'm joined by my wonderful co-host, Josh Seidman, who will actually be sitting on the other side of the mic today as one of our expert guests, along with our amazing colleague, Elizabeth Levy, from our Los Angeles Century City office. For today's episode, we are changing gears a bit and turning away from the PTO topic, which we've covered during episodes five through seven, and we'll be discussing one of the hottest COVID-19 topics in the employment law and HR space over the last two years, COVID-19 paid leave mandates. Josh, are you excited to be sitting on the other side of the mic for today's episode? Yeah, yeah. Thanks, Meg. Uh, excited? 100%. Nervous? Uh, a little bit, just just a little. Uh, we've had so many fantastic guests join us so far on Take It or Leave It, and we have another one today with Elizabeth. So I'm just hoping I can fill in their shoes. You know, I put on an extra pair of socks just in case, uh, so hopefully that should help. And I am hoping that our co-host Synergy has bought me a little bit of goodwill, so you take it easy on me, maybe give Elizabeth a couple of the tougher questions today. Uh, just, just kidding, just kidding, guys. Uh, fire away, fire away, whatever you want. <laughs> um, but seriously, I, I am, uh, I am so pumped for today's episode. Besides the nice change of pace and being on the other side of the mic, like you said, the COVID paid leave topic—it's exciting, it's complex, it is continuously burdening our clients who have operations in locations with these mandates. So I'm just really happy to be able to be here with you and Elizabeth to provide some hopefully helpful updates on this topic for our clients and listeners. I'll I'll try and take it easy on you, Um, but I know we're in excellent hands. (laughs) (laughs) I I know we're in excellent hands with you and Elizabeth, and I don't think there's anyone else out there that knows these laws better than the two of you, and I'm confident you'll handle any question perfectly that comes your way. Our firm and clients have just been so lucky to have both of you along with our team across the country keeping track of these COVID-19-related leave laws that have been popping up all over the place and constantly changing over the last two years, especially in California, as we all know. Yeah, I I agree. Keeping up with all of these COVID-19 paid leave mandates has certainly taken a village. I'm especially thankful for Elizabeth and our unbelievable team in California. The number of COVID-19 related paid leave mandates that have joined the landscape in that state alone has been nothing short of astronomical. Many, many municipalities with local mandates over the last two years multiple iterations of a statewide mandate, and even Calosha has entered the COVID-19 paid leave fray. It's for these and, and frankly, many more reasons why I am so glad to be joined by Elizabeth today to help field all California-related questions. I know, and, and I'm sure Elizabeth probably got tired of hearing from me so much over the last two years. Anytime I had a California COVID-19 leave-related question, or really any California COVID-19-related question, I reached out to her, so I was just very thankful she actually agreed to be a guest today. <laughs> it's, it's always nice to hear from you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, beyond being an incredible colleague and friend and, and one of our go-to California counselors on all things COVID-19, Elizabeth represents employers in all aspects of employment litigation, including sexual harassment, discrimination, defamation, wrongful termination, retaliation, wage and hour, private attorneys general act, and class action matters. Elizabeth advises clients regarding federal, state, and local employment laws, such as those governing leaves and sick pay, payment of wages and wage statements, reasonable accommodations, employee exemptions, and workplace investigation. She often represents retail, manufacturing, and healthcare clients and is well-versed in matters regarding non-disclosure provisions, enforcing arbitration agreements, and matters regarding social media and e-discovery. 
Wow, that was a lot and very impressive. Welcome, Elizabeth, and thanks for joining us today. Thanks, you guys. It's great to be here. Um, there's a lot to do in California, so you know, <laughs> you gotta be able to gotta be able to <laughs> pivot and deal with PAGA and all that fun stuff. If nobody knows what PAGA is, consider themselves lucky, but you know, private attorneys general act. But I think I think this is a great opportunity. I'm happy to be here, happy to answer any questions. All of this stuff gets complicated and convoluted. So hopefully this will try to make some of this a little bit more understandable and maybe even a little bit fun. If you can make paid sick leave fun, then, you know, our job's accomplished. <laughs> we, we're I'm trying. with you there, we're my trying. friend. <laughs> <laughs> so as we all know, COVID-19 has changed the way we live, the way we work, the way we interact and socialize and, and so much more. And what people often don't think about is, is the way it has changed the paid leave world. So, Josh, before we dive into COVID-19 paid leave mandates, can you provide a high-level overview of the impact that COVID has had on the paid leave world generally? Yeah, yeah. Thanks, Meg. Uh, happy, happy to. You know, for anyone who's been tracking paid leave developments over the last five, seven, ten years, uh, which is a pretty fun and exciting hobby for anyone who isn't doing it, and for those of you who, who are, which I'm sure is many of our listeners, so probably nodding along and, and raising their hand here, you will know that rapid development in the paid leave space is par for the course. New paid sick leave laws have been popping up regularly since 2014, 2015, and paid family leave laws followed suit just a couple of years later. So before COVID, our all-star leave absence management accommodations team here at SciFAR, we were used to a degree of change in the paid leave space. In fact, you know, earlier this month, on April 9th, Maryland just added a new paid family leave law, you know, becoming one of the newest, the newest states to have that type of mandate, and our team was ready to jump on it. So we are used to that type of, of change and updates. But then COVID arrived, and it completely changed the paid leave landscape, a level of volatility that, frankly, we hadn't seen before with any of the paid leave developments that we'd grown accustomed to. It was almost like we were playing checkers with regular paid leave laws, you know, getting to use both hands to play the game. And all of a sudden now we need to keep playing checkers with our right hand, but start simultaneously playing chess with our left hand and somehow figure out how to win at both games. We just need more hands, right? I mean, that's, that's the answer. So when you think about COVID-19 and what it's done to the paid leave world, a couple of things come to mind. First, these laws were enacted so, so quickly, right? Sometimes with little or no notice, very little warning. And that puts companies and businesses on the defensive and into reactive mode right from the start. Second, these mandates very often went into effect immediately, right? So not only were they enacted with little notice, but they went into effect immediately or very shortly, you know, a number of days thereafter. And that required, again, a lot of companies to react in ways that wasn't the case with non-COVID regular paid leave laws. You know, think about the, the new New Mexico paid sick leave law that's coming online. A statewide law, non-COVID, it starts July 1st of this year, 2022. We've known about that mandate's effective date since April of 2021. So again, that's the amount of notice that companies are used to. COVID paid leave, not the case. A couple of other just very, you know, very sort of notable, I think, differences. Two more quickly. The first one is that, and as you'll sort of hear, I think, from Elizabeth with respect to California, but this isn't limited to California, a number of these laws, when they went into effect, they also were made retroactive to an earlier date. So now you have companies and their businesses and, and HR and, and benefits and, and legal and payroll and the systems that underlie the whole thing have to scramble and adjust to the retroactivity of the law. And then another big one is tracking these things are hard. I mean, forget about the lack of notice when they actually go into effect. 
but they have sunset dates, which is not really common in the paid leave world. You know, once a non-COVID sick leave or family leave law gets passed, it's pretty much there. It's on the books. Not the case with these laws. And the sunset dates are not stagnant. They move around on us. So some laws will get reenacted. Some laws will get extended. Some laws, like I said, are made retroactive. And all the while, a lot of them are tied to state or local declarations of emergency, which come with their own web of statutes and ordinances and executive orders that need to be tracked. So very complicated. And that is, in a nutshell, how the landscape has been impacted. Wow, that's incredible. It just seems like such a moving target for everyone. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Has been. Yeah, yeah, of course. So for the rest of the country, it sounds like that's like, you know, there's a lot going on. But I imagine there could be some unique aspects or or changes in, in California. Elizabeth, have we been seeing anything different or anything unique about the impacts that COVID-19 has had on California specific paid leave? So the short answer is yes. I think uh, to piggyback on some of the things that Josh was saying, the the retroactivity is is a very interesting thing. I mean, on a really high level in California, you've got different avenues for paid leave. And so you've got the local jurisdictions, the local ordinances that are coming into play. We're now on our third iteration of statewide COVID paid sick leave, which is really pretty incredible if you think about it. I mean, to have a statewide leave come into place at all is just a, you know, it's a pretty difficult thing to wrangle quickly and get up to speed and manage. But every single time they enact it, they're tweaking it just enough, you know, just enough to sort of, frankly, make it quite difficult. I mean, things that, you know, seem like they would be helpful and they are ultimately helpful for employers are also kind of annoying. It's very difficult to just change your wage statements. It's very difficult to just change your method of calculation. I think for some of these tweaks that we've seen, sort of the road to hell is paved with good intentions. I think there may be some good intentions behind some of these tweaks, but, you know, employers are just left jumping through hoops. So you've got your statewide your leaves that have been complicated in their own right. And then at the local level, something really interesting that we've seen is... You know, you have jurisdictions like Los Angeles and San Francisco that have their own paid sick leave laws. And so it's not shocking that they had COVID paid sick leave laws. Then you have jurisdictions that don't have their own paid, you know, like Sacramento County is just, you know, had its own COVID paid sick leave law. So we had this period of time where these things were rolling out. It was just like whack-a-mole. They were coming out constantly and they were popping up in a lot of jurisdictions where we hadn't seen local paid sick leave laws. So I don't know if this previews something for the future that maybe some of these jurisdictions that had COVID local paid leave laws kind of are in the paid sick leave game. Maybe they want to have their own requirements. At least it's on their radar. But I personally thought it was really interesting to see where there was some divergence between the local jurisdictions that didn't have these kinds of laws on the books previously. And then the other sort of wrinkle to all of this is that in the background, you know, we've had Kalosha sort of jumping into the fray. I I think we'll probably dive into some of that a little bit down the line, but not exactly paid sick leave, but it's called earnings continuation, but nonetheless a requirement to pay employees. So that was just sort of something out of left field where Kalosha is not normally in the business of regulating anything that has anything to do with paid sick leave. So, I mean, we just, we've seen a very weird landscape, a landscape that changed quite a bit. And I think a landscape where there's now question marks in terms of what are all these local jurisdictions going to do in the next few years? Or, or now that they've had a taste of paid sick leave, do they, do they like it? Are they going to just have their own local paid sick leave laws? And I, I think that remains to be seen. I guess we can always count on California to keep us on our toes. <laughs> you can always count on California to be 
a little bit different. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So beyond the overwhelming proliferation of these COVID-19 paid leave mandates in California, Josh, where else have we seen significant developments or unique developments in the COVID-19 paid leave mandate space? Yeah, it's, it's, it's a great question, Megan. And I, I want to say just, Elizabeth, to, to your last response, my California geography and, and my knowledge of different cities and counties like uh, San Mateo County and that is also San Mateo City, I never knew that before, you know, the last couple of years. And now, thanks to the COVID mandates, I, I know those things. So, uh, you know, well, some, some good came out of it. <laughs> and I have to well, some of one of the tricks with all of this, especially in California and especially with I never in my life thought I would spend so much time on a Los Angeles County zoning website, because a lot of these are just, they're so specific and you have to look at exactly where people are. Are they in the city of Los Angeles? And that's its own very, you know, sort of non-intuitive map. The same thing with the county. And then, you know, the same thing with other jurisdictions. I think Los Angeles city and county was particularly confusing. And those, you know, those are still in place. Some of those. And because the unincorporated parts of the county, that that aspect of the law makes it so tricky. And, and like you said, you have to get on on websites that you understand where the boundaries start and stop. And those websites aren't that intuitive sometimes and, and, and that user friendly. Right, right. So, yeah. So like you mentioned, for Los Angeles County, you're looking at whether something's in the incorporated part or not incorporated part. So just being in Los Angeles, that's not enough. So it's it's a very complicated analysis. I, I mean, I've, I've literally looked up locations and jurisdictions where it's like, OK, this city was incorporated in 1879. So they're incorporated. You know, it's like, <laughs> you know, you really you kind of get this weird historical lesson that you would not necessarily think you'd be getting looking at some kind of paid sick leave issue. Right, exactly. Oh, man. Well, again, very happy that you're here to handle all the California questions. My goodness. Meg, to your question about what's happening elsewhere in the 49 other states uh, of our country. So plenty of other COVID paid leave activity, too. Colorado got the ball rolling, right? And I think Colorado was, was the first of any of the jurisdictions, you know, back in March of 2020 to pass a COVID specific paid leave mandate. New York followed very shortly thereafter. And, and frankly, each of those states has had multiple COVID-19 related paid leave mandates over the last couple of years. Colorado, by my count, has had at least three. And that includes, you know, there are some amendments and regulations along the way too. And New York has two COVID specific requirements, you know, different laws that are currently active and in effect, a statewide emergency COVID leave law and a separate statewide vaccine paid leave law. Nevada has two active COVID-19 mandates. One of them is industry-specific. Washington, D.C. has one that's active and another one that sunset late last year that had been around since the very early days of the pandemic, too. And then there's also current mandates in places like New York City, Pittsburgh, Philadelphia, uh, among other locations. So a lot of the locations that have general non-COVID paid sick leave laws, too. So that was a, you know, a little bit of a, of a breadcrumb you know, that we were able to follow to where these COVID leave laws were going to pop up. But if you look back since March of 2020, there are plenty of other jurisdictions, too, that, that have impacted the COVID paid leave landscape. Massachusetts, Michigan, New Jersey, Washington State, uh, Maryland, Chicago, Cook County. Some of these are COVID paid leave laws. Some of them are COVID-19 anti-retaliation laws that impact COVID absences. So they've you know, impacted how employers have to manage the landscape and deal with their own leave and time off benefits for employees. And all of that doesn't even include the dozens of locations that have issued uh, non-binding guidance regarding how COVID-19 has impacted their general paid sick leave law. So not a new law, not necessarily an amendment to a law, but 
hey, we have a law here, and since COVID is a really big deal, these are some things you, the businesses in our jurisdiction, need to be aware of. New reasons for use, changes to how documentation standards are handled and things like that. Yeah, there's a lot going on out there. You said something, or or I guess we've all been sort of talking generally about COVID-19 paid leave mandates, and I thought it might be helpful to back up a little bit and kind of talk about what we're referring to when we say COVID-19 paid leave mandates, because we often refer to that subject as sort of a general subject or a single category of paid time off. But as we've sort of alluded to, or both of you have alluded to throughout this discussion, these COVID-19 paid leave mandates have actually cropped up in a few different forms. Josh, could you explain for the various types of categories, I guess, for lack of a better word, of COVID-19 paid leave mandates that are out there? And then maybe, Elizabeth, you can give us the rundown on what we're seeing in California in terms of the different forms of paid leave mandates. It's an important question, Meg, and and a really good one. So, yeah, happy to dive into this one as well. Big picture, right? And and I think your your points are are great ones. So COVID paid leave is a nice umbrella term, but just like anything with the paid sick leave world and paid leave world, there are nuances when you just get a little bit into the weeds. And the further you go, the dirtier you get, and the more complications that come up. So when you think about COVID paid leave, we have new mandates for sure. There have also been amendments to existing laws, and I'll talk a little bit about both of those, uh, and then non-binding guidance, right? So there's different categories of all of this. In terms of the new mandates, the type of laws that most folks think about are broad COVID-19 supplemental or emergency paid leave laws, like the California law, like the law that just ended in Massachusetts uh, about a month ago, like the laws that have popped up in Philadelphia and, and Pittsburgh, for example. These are laws that provide paid time off for employees for a wide variety of COVID-related absences. You have COVID. You need to go get tested because you might have COVID. You've been told to quarantine or isolate because you were exposed or potentially exposed to COVID. Caring for family members who fall into some of those categories. Taking time off to care for your child whose school or place of care might be closed. Covering those and other reasons, frankly, uh, about the COVID-19 sort of impact on employees and their need to be absent for, for different developments. But you also have, more recently, new mandates that have popped up that are vaccine-specific, right? COVID vaccine paid leave mandates. New York State has one. Nevada has one. Washington, D.C. has one. New York City has one. I think Los Angeles County might have one as well. But even in that context, there are differences because sometimes the vaccine paid leave laws will just cover going and getting vaccinated for the employee. Sometimes they'll cover taking your, your child to go and get vaccinated. And sometimes they'll cover those things, but also side effect recovery from getting the vaccine. But so it's not even a one size fits all when you talk about COVID vaccine paid leave. And then also, as I mentioned before, another big one has been amendments to existing paid sick leave laws. Places like New Jersey and uh, Seattle and Chicago, Oregon for a period of time, they they amended their standard pre-COVID-19 general paid sick leave laws and added, you know, new reasons for use that are broader and more encompassing for things that employees you know, might need to be absent for with respect to COVID-19, you know, certain absences. And those are on the books. They're, they're permanent. They are now part of those laws. And then I, I think a, a final thought, final point here is it hasn't just impacted paid sick leave. You know, we're talking mostly about paid sick leave, but certain paid family leave laws, I'm thinking New York and New Jersey, for example, certain unpaid family medical leave laws, New Jersey, Washington, D.C., and I think a few others have also underwent amendments in response to COVID-19. So it really has been a broad far-reaching impact when we talk about COVID paid leave and what it means. That's sure a lot to keep up with. 
So, Elizabeth, can you provide us with a little overview of, of what the mandates look like out there? Sure. So as I mentioned before, in terms of the mandates, there's really three categories. There's this patchwork of local leaves. We we have had three different state leaves. And then you've got this Cal OSHA earnings continuation, which is sort of its own animal. It's not really a true paid sick leave. It's designed to replace earnings, to put somebody in a position that they would have been had they not been removed from the workplace pursuant to Cal OSHA standards. You know, just to keep everything complicated, of course, those have changed over time, too. So a lot of times with these laws, you're not necessarily looking at something, you know, you can't just look at the law itself independently and have that be the end of the day. With the state laws and local laws, some of these have covered reasons that include being required to quarantine or isolate pursuant to certain guidelines. So we've had periods of time where maybe there's a travel advisory in place by the California Health Department, and you have to really take a look at each of these laws. And, you know, something might be covered under one and not under another. So the fact that they're not these sort of perfect isolated laws in and of themselves makes it complicated. And then, of course, there's the interplay between the local and state laws. So, you know, something that seems simple, like the rate of pay at which you'd pay out the paid sick leave, you really have to look at which one you're paying. I think a good rule of thumb for anything in a COVID context is sort of to just apply the law that's the most stringent or the most employee friendly. Usually most of the time, if you have a law that requires a rate of pay at one value and then another law requires a higher rate, you're going to want to go with, you know, whatever the higher rate is. But figuring out how to make all of these laws work together and figure out if somebody's covered under both, how to make that work, that can pose its own challenges. And, you know, I know, Josh, you were mentioning some places where there've been amendments to existing laws. We haven't really seen that too much in California. We've seen a few instances where somebody, you know, I mean, there's guidance that says, Basically, hey, the regular California paid sick leave, if you've got to be out for certain COVID related reasons, of course, that's going to be covered. But it's not really an extension of the existing regular paid sick leave law. We've seen a few jurisdictions that have said similar things where they basically say our regular paid sick leave can be used for certain COVID related reasons, but not really a big expansion on any kind of existing paid sick leave the way that you might have seen in some other places. You know, we've seen a few. In a COVID context, you know, San Francisco comes to mind where they actually just issued guidance on this pretty recently, adjusting their documentation requirements. So I think, again, it's another very good rule of thumb. If you're dealing with a jurisdiction that has its own local paid sick leave law, just make sure that there's not guidance that somehow impacts what you would normally do. I mean, it just by way of example, San Francisco has basically taken its typical documentation requirement and said, no, 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 people get a little bit more time. If somebody needs time for certain COVID related reasons, just take their word for it if they're not under the care of a doctor. So it really is a patchwork. It's tough. And you just have to check and double check because it might have changed last week. Yeah, absolutely. It seems like, you know, many of these legislatures probably have the best intentions in mind, but they sure aren't making the employer's jobs easy out there who are trying to comply. So employers around the country have now been managing through these laws for the better part of two years and hopefully even have a good handle on or are fully compliant with the various COVID-19 paid leave laws now. But just like everything else related to COVID, once you finally think you know the rules or requirements, they change. So the question on everyone's mind is we are seeing a light at the end of the tunnel and some indication that we may actually be moving out of the pandemic. I'm knocking on wood right now. 
Are these laws going away? I suspect the answer to this question may start with, and it depends on, on both the type of law and the location. But Josh Elizabeth, can you talk a little bit about where COVID-19 paid leave mandates still exist today and, and what may come of these laws once the pandemic is over, both in California and around the country? So Cal OSHA's earnings continuation, I can start there. That one is still in place. And so, you know, for those of you who may not have been uh, as, as in the weeds in, on this as I've been, Cal OSHA emergency temporary standard came out in basically right around Thanksgiving in 2020. It was it was great. We were all scrambling as we were trying to eat turkey to figure out what the heck is this thing? It's huge. It's onerous. It has training requirements. There's a lot to unpack here. And one of the things was this earnings continuation component. And Cal OSHA has revised this emergency temporary standard a handful of times. There's a current version in place now that went into effect in January, and there's a proposed version swirling around that I think is likely to go through as drafted that will likely go into effect in May and be in effect until December 31st. And the draft that exists right now still has that requirement. So for people who are hoping that that would go by the wayside, that maybe Cal OSHA would think it's not necessary in light of all these statewide paid sick leaves, no luck there. It looks like we're stuck with it till at least December and I, I'm not going to pretend to have any ability to read any kind of tea leaves past that point. I don't know if that's something that Kalosh is going to want to bake into a more permanent standard. I think it's way too soon to tell. We'll have to just see, you know, as we get closer to that expiration date, we can take a look and see what's going on there. And then you still do have some of the local leaves in place, the local leaves that were tied to the periods of emergency. So a lot of them were for specific periods of time or had specific sunset dates or their city councils basically said, OK, enough's enough. And now we have paid state leave again, so we don't need to continue having these local ones. But Los Angeles County, city and Oakland, those are still around those are in some capacity tied to the periods of emergency. And now, you know, we have our third iteration of the statewide paid sick leave, which is just different than the first two. I mean, this one is really different in the sense that you have two banks of leave. And so you have basically one set of covered reasons. You are a family member or, you know, a certain designated type of person, you know, family members a defined term. But basically, if you or a family member you're caring for have COVID, that's one bank of paid leave that does allow you to ask for documentation, verifying that somebody in one of those covered categories had COVID, which is a big departure from some of the early versions. And then you have this other bank where you have most of the same covered reasons in play, but a few expansions for family members taking a family member to get vaccinated or if you're caring for a family member with side effects. There's some new documentation rules related to vaccination side effects. So basically somebody can't just say, oh, I'm, you know, too, I am, I'm sick for two weeks. Give me my, you know, you're allowed to ask for documentation if somebody's been out for claiming they have side effects for more than 24 hours, which is new. So there are some things that are really, you know, that are employer friendly that are designed to, I think, try to help curb some of the abuse that some employers have unfortunately seen. But those, you know, the California statewide leave is scheduled to sunset in September. And I mean, we'll just see what happens. I have to say, I, I'm not going to, I mean, again, it's too early to read tea leaves here, but the first one that came into effect, that one, that one was issued the fall of 2020, came into effect in September. It expired in December. Everyone was sort of shocked that they let it expire. Then the, a new one came out in early 2021, was retroactive. The one that's in place now is retroactive. So it's just very strange. It's like we've, this is now the second iteration that has a September expiration date. 
And we'll just see if it really does expire. You know, I mean, I know that our team, we have a great legislative update team and we track all kinds of things. Some of these things come out in a legislatively unusual process so that that's what allows them to come out immediately and go into effect immediately. But I'm sure that as we creep closer to the expiration date, we'll be keeping an eye on what do we think is really going to happen? Is this really the end of the road or is there going to be something new that's going to take its place? Yeah, yeah, I I, uh, I think those are all fantastic points and uh, and important ones. The fact that these aren't really going away, you know, in California, and even if the September you know sunset date comes and goes, no one's really going to know come twenty twenty three if California statewide supplemental COVID sick is going to pop back up again, just like it has the last few years, right? So, and and I think too the point you made it was a few minutes back, but. What are we going to see in terms of the local locate right? All these municipalities and localities in California, like the Sacramento's and San Jose's, right? Especially the, the bigger cities. What are they going to do in terms of regular permanent paid sick leave? That, that's something else. I know you mentioned it before, but that's been a big one. I've been having a lot of clients ask about that too. Yeah, and I think it may depend on what the state does because I think, and it well, and it may also depend on what Calosha does because if there's some mechanism for people to get paid, I mean, I think the overarching policy consideration behind all of these laws is basically like if you're sick, stay home. We want you to be able to get paid so that you can stay home. But then, of course, it's complicated, and some of these laws are unfortunately prone to abuse. But you know, if Calosha earnings continuation survives in any kind of long-term way, or if there's a state paid sick leave that survives, then I think some of these local jurisdictions might not feel like they need to pick up the pieces and enact their own legislation. But if you, you know, if you see statewide leaves or earnings continuations falling by the wayside, then the local jurisdictions may feel like, all right, well, now we're going to just, whether it's temporary or permanent, Mm -hmm. impose our own COVID paid sick leave or be inspired to have their own just regular paid sick leave. Yeah, it's a, it's a good point. And, and, you know, it's funny, too. One, one thing I've always been surprised with in terms of California non-COVID sick leave, when you look across the country at the statewide sick laws, the California statewide sick leave law doesn't lead the pack. Like you would expect it would because it's California. But the amount of time that workers can use is, is pretty low. You know, the 24 hours, three days compared to most other jurisdictions that are out there. Now, plenty of cities have more strict and more generous policies and, and, and requirements under their laws in California. But that's always surprised me. And, and I'm, I've also been sort of thinking that maybe in response to COVID-19, the state would update its non-COVID statewide sick leave law maybe give some additional time. I don't know what you think about that. And I have other thoughts too, but just not my last California one. I mean, maybe, um, (laughs) maybe. I I, I guess I wouldn't. I'll take the maybe. (laughs) I'm not surprised by, by too many things. So I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be surprised if that were the case. I feel like at the state level, the legislature has been pretty active about COVID specific paid sick leave. So I don't know if that would work that way. I don't know if there's really mm-hmm. an appetite for that, but I don't get to yeah, call we'll those shots. We'll see where it goes. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Would, would not be surprising if they pulled that that one on us. <laughs> so great, great points, you know, about California. And, and Meg, just to, to circle back to the non-California sort of big, big picture elsewhere, you know, I, I do think anecdotally, without sort of numbers in front of me, COVID leave laws have been fading slightly, you know, over the last, six months or so, 12 months, six or 12 months. 
know, I mentioned earlier in Massachusetts, statewide emergency paid sick leave law ended the middle of March, right? That's one of the mo- more recent big ones that is no longer uh, on, the, on the plate. And that one had been extended the end of last summer, beginning of the fall, and kicked forward. So that law is now gone. But as I mentioned earlier, there are still plenty of COVID paid leave mandates on the books in places like New York, Colorado, although that's not quite a COVID-specific law, but it's being triggered because of COVID, Nevada, New York City, Washington, D.C., among elsewhere. And new mandates are still coming out, too, just like California's statewide COVID paid sick leave law just came on the books you know, over the last month or so. Philadelphia just reenacted and sort of updated its version of the city COVID paid sick leave law that had ended the middle of, of 2021. So that's now back on the books for until the end of 2023. So we still have laws. We still are getting some new laws that are popping up. I mentioned earlier changes to some non-COVID general paid sick leave laws that are permanent. New Jersey, Seattle, Chicago, among others. Colorado. Colorado is really unique for, for a few different reasons. But one of them is that they passed a public health emergency leave mandate, right? That This is separate from the state's general statewide sick leave law, one that went into effect in the middle of the pandemic as well. This public health emergency paid leave law is not COVID specific, but it is being triggered because the COVID-19 pandemic meets the definition of a public health emergency. So the leave requirements have been kicked in and have been in effect since that mandate began back in the start of 2021. I am sort of anticipating other jurisdictions potentially following suit, passing separate from regular paid sick leave laws, but sort of more narrowly tailored public health emergency leave laws that will only kick into high gear and be in effect and impose burdens on companies if there is a subsequent public health emergency. So that's something to be on the lookout for for companies. I mentioned earlier about the paid sick leave laws around the country that have a lot of non-binding guidance with respect to COVID-19. I think it's important for our listeners to remember paid sick leave laws pre-COVID, their covered reasons for use typically cover the majority of the things that employees would be asking for related to COVID-19. I got COVID, my family member has COVID, I want to get tested, I want to get vaccinated. Those things are covered under the regular sick leave laws, you know, based on their covered reasons for use for for the majority of those laws, right? The term preventative care, sort of a, a broad sort of sweeping term that can cover a lot of that. And if you look, a lot of the laws even have something more narrow where if a healthcare provider or Department of Health says to an individual or a family member, that they need, you know, they shouldn't come into work because of potential exposure or actual exposure to a communicable disease, they need to stay out. And that feels very COVID pandemic-y also. So a lot of big updates there. You know, I'll, I'll say that the two sort of last thoughts that I had in, in this big picture sort of wrap-up question is, number one, there are and will continue to be sort of enormous remote work, telework, hybrid work considerations because of COVID. So not quite, you know, what's happening in terms of legislation and you know, statutes and, and mandates, but what impact has COVID had on the leave world? You know, you pick up a phone with a client now, and more often than not, the conversation about paid leave is going to include something involving telework and hybrid work. So that's a, a really big point. And the last one, just to, you know, for folks who aren't aware of it, besides our Take It or Leave It podcast, you know, we also have a paid sick leave webinar series. And Elizabeth and I and one of our, our colleagues, uh, Renata, last month just did a uh, COVID paid leave webinar. Uh, it was part seven of that webinar series. And it has another ton of great information, you know, a little bit more detail on some of the location-specific laws. So if folks haven't checked that out and want to hear more about COVID paid leave as if today wasn't enough, Uh, you can go and pull up that webinar. It's available for you, too. 
And Josh, I'll just mention really briefly, we have a lot of really great and really unique resources for California because California is so unusual. So we have our Cal Peculiarities blog and we have our Cal Peculiarities annual publication, which is pretty pretty huge at this point. Um, and it really covers, I mean, it, it goes through all of the, all the leave issues you could, you could imagine in terms of the regular state leave and the local paid sick leaves and the COVID paid sick leaves and many, many, many other oddities, wage and hour issues, non-disclosure, and just tons of issues that are unusual in California. So that's just a resource that folks can download if they want to get into the weeds with us on some California things. Great point. Great point. That's wonderful. It's it's wonderful that we have all these resources because it sounds like the impacts that COVID has had on the paid leave world aren't going away anytime soon. Though I hope we won't have to use like the Colorado leave for future pandemics that we don't see another one of those in our lifetime. But I'm not on the wood with you, Meg. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, thank you guys so much for joining me today. And and Josh, I hope you enjoyed your role on the other side of the mic. And I did. uh, I'm exhausted, but I I, I did. (laughs) Come back around for the next episode. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Anytime. And and, and one for you as well, Elizabeth. (laughs) Well, thank you guys very much. It was great to be here. Thank you. And thank you for tuning in for this episode of Take It or Leave It. We will see you next time.